thanks for having me back, uh, second year in a row. It's a very rare thing, uh, but I genuinely am delighted to get to spend some time with you. I, I left last year with you um, full of hope. I actually talked about hope, and I felt like I left myself full of hope. And um, it was really uh, precious for me last year just to get to spend time with many of you, to talk to you, hear your stories, to pray with some of you. And really just an honour for, for me just to come and, and spend what is a precious weekend with you guys as you set time aside to come pursue God, spend time with family and community and build those friendships and relationships, but ultimately to encounter God together. And, and that's my prayer again as we kind of set sail onto this, these, uh, this short time that we have together, that God would bless it, that would be uh, marked with real encounters with his presence, that your lives would be marked again by an incredible father who loves you extra extraordinarily. Like he loves you radically, he loves you um, with a deep passion. I pray um, that we would experience more of that. And we can never graduate. I think one of the sad things about uh, often we, we think that the, the normal Christian life is about just accelerating and growing in more things and learning more things, but we can never graduate from the, the transformational truth that God loves you, that he is a father, that he moved heaven to earth in the life of Jesus to get his kids back, to get you and I back, to have intimacy, to have relationship, to know us, to be known by us. Like this is the gospel. This is the good news that we have a father who extravagantly loves you. Like, listen, you weren't saved to just keep you from hell. You were born again into a new living relationship with a Father who loves you so much. And that journey into um, letting Holy Spirit mark our lives and to help us um, not just understand but be able to cry out, Abba, Father, this is what we see in Romans 8. I'm preaching at you now. <laughs> this is what we see in Romans 8, that we get to discover that we're adopted, that we're sons and daughters. This is... This is the Father that we get to step into his presence every every day, every month of every day. We live from that security. We live from that place of identity. So yeah, genuinely love the fact that you would have me back again. <laughs> it's a rarity. Um, but uh, I feel like, um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name's Phil. Um, I uh, lead a church in Manchester called Vine Life with my wife, Sarah. And in fact, let me just do this. This is Santino. Santino, stand up for me. This is my uh, very good friend and uh, colleague, work associate. Uh, uh, he works for uh, Vine Life the Church, associate pastor there. Uh, he is also my brother-in-law. Uh, has stories on me. I have stories on him, which keeps it all safe. <laughs> it's all locked in in this beautiful, trusted friendship that nothing will ever get out. But no, uh, good. That's a joke. <laughs> It's Friday night, you can laugh, it's alright, this is church, you can smile. Uh, lead a church called Vine Life in Manchester, beautiful church family, amazing uh, that God would um, give us such a beautiful community and such an amazing city to lead and to really see us um, go after what it is to impact our city, go after what it is to um, be a community that encounters God, that is empowered into our identity, but full on engages our cities. So that's really what we're about. Um, I, our church is part of the Jesus Culture family, uh, which is two churches, one in Sacramento and one in Manchester. It's a very big family. And, uh, but we, uh, we love our Jesus Culture family, love um, everything that God's doing with us globally, and, and, and um, it's just an exciting journey to be on. Um, 
I um, I want to start actually just by praying for us before we dive into God's word. I want to map out a little bit where I feel like um, the Lord might want to take us over the next couple of days together. But I, I'm so conscious that um, for many of us, like these weekends away are, are often um, really significant. That would be my prayer, they would be significant. Um, you know, anytime uh, you see in scripture people who lay down their lives, sacrifice anything, give time, uh, in, in any way position their life in, in, by way of sacrifice, it releases an opportunity for God to break through and break into their life and their situation. And there's something beautiful about um, coming away on these kind of weekends, because you do, you sacrifice your time, you sacrifice your energy. Some of you have sacrificed being in a car for several hours with people you didn't even like. <laughs> like it's been a sacrifice. I know um, that you have, you've counted the cost of being here this weekend, uh, that it cost you financially, and so there's there's a reality to this weekend that I believe is what all of your lives have done, which is to lay down somewhat of a sacrifice and to be here, to like to be present, to go, all right, I'm going to block out some time, I'm going to go pursue God, I'm going to get with my church family, I'm going to pay the money that it takes to do it, and I'm going to go, and you've done that. And so I want to pray for us that, that whatever expectation that you have for this weekend, whatever you have in terms of what you're leaving behind and you're stepping out into just this window of time uh, where maybe the, just the pressures of life, the things that are going on, the things that are at the forefront of your mind can almost at, at one level be put to one side, that ultimately um, there would be a significant breakthrough in your life. And I feel like um, for many of you, you've come away and you, you're actually hungry for that. You're, you, your expectation may be pretty low, but you are... You need God to kind of move in your life in a significant way. There are certain situations that you can even think of in your mind. I think there's even people in the room, one person in particular, that, um, that uh, just your work life is really unstable right now. I feel like there's somebody that is actually like there's a risk or a fear that you might lose your job. I just sense that God wants to come alongside you and in that moment where you've sacrificed, he wants to partner with your life and really break in and break through into whatever it is you're bringing with you on this weekend. So can we do this? Can we just stand, put a hand on your heart, and let's pray together as we kind of set sail into this week. Is that all right? Yep. All right, three of you agree, so that is good enough for me. Father, thank you for this beautiful church family, for, for these lives represented here, the stories in this room. Um, Ultimately, God, we, we, we give you our lives again, fresh and new. And we say, God, whatever um, has gone before that's brought us to this point uh, in our lives, God, we acknowledge your hand on our lives. We acknowledge your grace and your mercy. And we acknowledge your love that marks our lives. And so we ask, God, that um, for this weekend you would raise our eyes beyond our circumstances. I thank you that uh, your word says that we lift our eyes up to the mountains and that's where our strength comes from. And that just paints a picture for me of the fact that I can lift my eyes to the mountains above my circumstances, above what is going on. And that, Father, in that point, when I look above my circumstances and I see you, that, God, you would come this weekend and strengthen your people. You'd strengthen us individually. Father, you would strengthen this church family in a profound way this weekend. God, would you come and heal hearts? Would you bind up brokenhearted? Would you give faith for those who are weary, strength for those who are tired? Would you give hope for those who feel hopeless? But ultimately, God, again, would you come and mark us with your extravagant, beautiful love? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, grab a seat. Um,
I was thinking about maybe what I would do is I would I speak and then maybe during the silent disco we could put a fourth channel. I'd just like share another word. And we could, like, <laughs> I'm just going to do that. Um, I feel like I've got a bit of a uh, focus of where um, where I want to go for this weekend. And tonight I want to sh- I want to I want to talk fairly briefly. I want to set some stuff up. And then actually I want Santino and myself, and I, we just want to come and actually just pray for one another. We just want to pray for a few people um, just as we kind of launch into this weekend. I feel like um, we, I, I, said, I gave this kind of week out a title, which is Living Faithful. Um, and I was very intentional about putting the, that word faith and full separately, because I believe that there is a life that God uh, has commissioned us into a new living way, a new life with Jesus, a new life that is supposed to be marked by its fullness, right? You know, actually the Bible tells us that um, that God came such that we would have life in all its fullness. So in the normal Christian life, this journey that some of us are on, maybe just for only a few weeks, some of us have been on for many years, Ultimately, there's something that we get to discover which should be full. And yet, I guess for many of us, and I would say this in my own life, that there's a reality to the seasons of life that we go through that sometimes our life just doesn't feel full. Mm. Now, God came that we find life and life in all its fullness, and yet we hold the mirror up to our life and go, all right, there's some areas where I just don't feel full or I don't necessarily feel fulfilled. And I want us to go on a little bit of a journey together this weekend. And I want to grapple with some practical things. I want to give you some tools. I want to try and equip you so that actually when you leave this weekend, there are some things that hopefully Holy Spirit can bring back to your memory as you hit work next week, as you hit that situation in a month's time, that God would would actually um, birth something in you, ignite something in you this weekend that would strengthen you for the fullness of life that God wants you to walk in. And uh, so this weekend, I'll, I want to talk tonight briefly about courage. That actually, I, I, I fully believe that one of the, the marks of a, a full life, a, a life in all its fullness, is that we live encouraged. Mm. Now, last year, I talked to you about hope. I talked to you extensively about hope. And hope and courage are very similarly, they're connected. Uh, but I'm not going to talk about hope, but I am going to talk about courage. Tomorrow... I want to talk to you about the normal Christian life. There's a fullness to the normal Christian life that I believe, given the right situation, given the right circumstances, which we find in Scripture when we look at, and we're going to look at John 15 tomorrow, that actually there there is a normal Christian life that we can sustain, that can last, that can actually produce healthy fruit, but fruit that really remains. Again, life in all its fullness. And then finally tomorrow, I want to look at the very um, unattractive topic of obedience. I really feel like some of the journey that we're on in this normal Christian life, we have to recognize that and we're going to find fullness in how we respond with our life in obedience. But there's a, there's a faith journey connected to that obedience, but we'll talk about that tomorrow. So I do, if you've got your Bibles, uh, either like a vintage paper copy, or uh, you know those things that have pages, I can see a couple of them, or if you've got like uh, an iPad, iPhone, or any Android-based product, you may have a Bible app, feel free to 
Either look at that. I know you won't be looking at Facebook because reception around here is terrible. So I feel at ease that as I see you scrolling, you're just diving into God's Word on your Bible app. You're not looking at, at uh, who likes what you're saying. But uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel 14. And like I say, I want to I talk briefly tonight um, so that um, we can just get a chance to pray for um, a few folk this evening. Um, so I want to go after this issue of courage. I believe that in our normal Christian life, one of the, the keys to walking in the fullness of everything God has for us is that courage is a key. Like living uh, full of courage is a key. Yeah. And, and the reason why I say that is because I'm, I'm acutely aware in my own life and as I talk to many people that I'm doing life with, that there are so many things that confront us that look to sidetrack or steal or rob from the from the courage that we're supposed to have when we look at life and we look at what God's doing and we look at moving into our future. And so often there are mountains in front of us, giants in front of us, mountains in front of us, situations, fear, um, anxiety, just things that feel overwhelming to us. And they, and they come at us and they test and, and confront us around this issue of like, am I living encouraged? Like, do I carry courage? Listen, if we're going to live a faithful life, I believe that we're to carry a faith for our future. Right? I think we're supposed to carry a, a faith for our workplaces. I think we're supposed to carry a faith for our nation. I think we're supposed to carry a faith for our kids. I think we're supposed to carry faith. Mm. But ultimately, if we walk in through life and we find there are situations that would come and, and want to strip that faith away because we can't stand in courage, then I believe that we've got to understand and grapple with what is courage? What is it really? And how is faith and courage really attached one of the things I want to say right at the very beginning before we look at these scriptures together is I believe that the courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the presence of God. Like this is the profound thing that we have to kind of, it's the simple but profound thing that we've got to discover. That, that actually that, that having real faith and living in courage isn't an absence of fear. It isn't we have courage when we no longer feel fear. But we can, we can walk with courage towards and into our future because we know fundamentally that God is with us. It's that simple. And that courage is the key. It's not the absence of fear, but it is the presence of God. So whatever mountain you feel like you're facing, whatever thing you came away with this weekend that feels like it's so overwhelming, that thing that is gnawing at you, that, that thought that you can't quite shift, that thing that, that maybe keeps you up at night, that thing... That you're, that you're carrying, be it through anxiety or stress, or that thing that you just bothers you, that mountain. You know, you won't have courage simply when that thing goes away, but you will have courage when you know and you face those things and know that you don't face those things alone. Yeah. The courage is not the absence of fear, but it is the very presence of God. Let's read these, um, these scriptures. If you know this story, it's a story of um, Jonathan and his armor-bearer. In 1 Samuel 14, if you know the, the context of the story, which I'll tell you, you'll know that, that um, Israel has been fighting the Philistine army. They have this, this um, foe of an enemy. They have this, uh, the, they have this stalemate situation. Israel is, is confronted 
uh, with the Philistines and have been for several years. And we're going to pick up the story in a minute. We know that they've been confronted with the Philistines and the history of, of Israel ultimately being oppressed by this um, big, strong, devastating army called the Philistines. We, we know about the situation and we know that this has been a long-standing situation because, for two reasons. One, as we'll discover in a minute, Israel has settled out so much that they've, they've got so afraid of the Philistines, they've gone and hidden in holes in the ground. That's what we're going to find. The second thing we find is we find the, the character here in this story, which is Jonathan. And, and listen, he's got to the point where he's just had enough. He has reached an impasse with these Philistines. He's frustrated. Uh, and he decides one day, and the, and the window we're going to look at in this story is he decides one day that enough is enough. He needs to do something about it. So anyway, Jonathan in this story is Saul's son. He's the king's son. And he gets fed up with this situation with the Philistines. He gets fed up with this standoff um, with the two armies. And he decides that he's going to do something. He's going to face this mountain. He's going to face this fear. He's going to do something courageous. And he's going to engage the Philistine army. And he goes with just one other man, his armor bearer. And we'll find out a little bit more about him in a minute. 1 Samuel 14. Verse 6, let me read it to you. Jonathan said to the young man who was carrying his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord by saving, uh, from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that's in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I'm with you, heart and soul. And Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we'll stand still in our place and we'll not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we'll go up, for the Lord has given them into our hands. And this shall be the sign for us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistine says, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've been hiding themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his arm bearer and said, Come up to us and we'll show you a thing. I've always wondered about that little section. I'll show you. I'm like, what was that going to be? Like a new game? Like uh, an outfit they were wearing? Anyway, they were going to show them a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hands of Israel. Verse 13, then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. All right, so we have this story. Everyone tracked with that story okay? Yeah. All right, good. Um, we have two people, Jonathan and his armor bearer. Jonathan declares in his uh, consummate wisdom that he's going to engage the Philistine army. Um, you know, we see it in verse 6. He says, this is his plan. Let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised, these Philistines. It may be that the Lord will, um, will work for us, but nothing can hinder the Lord from saving the many of our people. Now, I am I'm no military expert. I have never served in the armed forces. It's really important for you to all know that at this point. But as far as I'm concerned, in reading this from a military strategic perspective... <coughs> Uh, this looks like a ridiculous, ridiculous plan, right? Yeah. It looks like one of the most mind-boggling things that anyone would choose to do. You have two men, Jonathan, who we don't know is a military tactician. We know he is an armor bearer, 
But all we know is that he can bear arms. We don't know if he's, like, tooled up and ready to go. Right? This yeah. is yes, yeah. this is no. Like, work with me. Um, right? So we've got two guys. And uh, we also have a whole army opposite them, uh, fully um, ready to go, much bigger than they are. And obviously we have the, the bottom line, which is we've got two against many. Um, this just seems like a terrible, terrible, terrible strategy. It gets even worse when, when Jonathan says, Behold, we'll cross over to the men and we'll show ourselves to them. Like that was literally Jonathan's tactic was we're just going to like unveil ourselves to them. <laughs> Ta-da! Like that was his tactic. That was his strategy. Um, again, it just sounds like a terrible tactic. Two men against a whole army. First of all, that's not great odds. Simply strolling over in plain view, again, doesn't seem highly strategic. They are outmanned, out-equipped, outnumbered. Their chance of survival, um, let alone winning a battle, is tiny, right? We're all, we're all tracking with this story. Listen, this would be my, this would be my plan. Um, there's a couple of us, Israel, we've already, you know, we had there's a huge army in front of us, we're intimidated, we're fearful, it's a, it's a pretty overwhelming thing that we're facing. I actually think that Israel had, had a pretty clever plan, which was go hide in holes in the ground. Now, holes in the ground could be, you know, it could be a cave. I mean, uh, caves can be pretty spacious, you know, pop down to Ikea, get some furniture, a couple of uplighters, you can make that cave look pretty spacious. I reckon, and this is my strategy, that I would have looked at it and thought, well, I, I'm pretty safe here. I could live here. I could make a home here in this cave. We're pretty safe in this cave. My tactic would have been literally just to try and outlive the Philistines, like just by living day by day. Like that would be my strategy. How would we beat the Philistines? Well, we would hide and see if we can outlive them by hiding. That would be my strategy. But anyway, these guys have got a different plan in mind, and there's two of them. And what they're doing, and what we're discovering, is a, is a little key to courage. What we discover is, is, is two men, well, one man in particular, who is acutely aware of the size of his God. Yeah. Listen, he is not overwhelmed, he is not That's intimidated, right. he is not living in fear. Despite the odds that are wildly stacked against him... He is convinced of who his God is. I don't think, uh, it's really fascinating the language that um, Jonathan uses. Um, again, verse 6. Come, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Right, so let's go over to the Philistines. This is what he says. He says, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord by saving, uh, from saving by many or by few. It's a fascinating phrase that he uses. Now, I don't think that um, Jonathan was being presumptuous of God. L listen, ultimately, he had a lot to lose based on a presumption. I think he wasn't, on a, he, he wasn't presuming anything. He was absolutely, concretely assured of who God was, even to the point where he says that phrase, it may be that the Lord works for us. Yeah. It's such a blasé phrase. It's such a blasé way of... Of, of painting the picture of what was about to happen as two men went up against a whole army, right? Yeah. And so you've got these two men, and one man in particular who is 
who is living enveloped in a, a in a kind of swirl of courage that ultimately is is so intoxicating his life it's so grabbing his life that it actually becomes a lens by which he sees the obstacle in front of him that he carries a courage not because he's a great man of military uh, excellence not because he looked and said my armor bearer is bigger than your armor bearer he didn't look at his odds. He didn't look at his circumstance. He didn't look at the, uh, the massive army in front of him and say, we can do this. He looked at a massive God and said, you can do this. And herein lies the key. It's a very simple key that actually to walk out and to own and to take hold of courage is not about having the odds stacked for you. Yeah. Like it's not about having everything in life going for you. It's not about having no troubles in life. It's not about having no hurdles in life. It's not about having a, a big balance. It's not about the resource of your life. It's about the resource of the one who stands behind you. Yeah. It's about the resource of a God who has already shown his commitment to you when he laid his life down at the cross. Yeah, like this is the, this is the hugeness of the God that stands behind us. And that's where we find our courage. We don't find it in trading our life for a life that seems a little bit easier or less difficult, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, for some of us, it's like we're often in, in difficult situations or finding things tough or there's fear in our life or we're anxious about something or we're worrying about something. And we just think, do you know what? It's, if I could just have somebody else's life, right? Yeah. If I could just have somebody else's life. But actually, the, 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 key, to the, the key to us... As moving forward is not changing our life, but it's having a different focus. It's being able to see a God who is all-powerful. Mm. A God who absolutely is with you at all times, in all seasons. He didn't, he didn't abandon you when your bank balance looked empty. Mm. He didn't abandon you when, when, when that relationship broke down and it felt difficult. He didn't abandon you when there was fear over whether you would lose your job. He didn't abandon you. What he said is, I'm with you. Yeah. Yes. Right? And so courage comes when we look in the face of those things and don't say, give me another life. It's like, I, I don't need another life. I just need to know you're with me. Mm. I just need to know you're with me. And this is what Jonathan realized. He just needed to know God's with me. Like, we can take on any odds. Just God's with me. He didn't say at that stage, oh, actually, I'm out here now, a little bit exposed. I want somebody else's life. In fact, I want anybody else's life because we're about to get killed. He was standing there in confidence. Yeah. Right? So don't, don't feel like you need to trade out your life because things are tricky. I remember um, one of the things that I did for a season of my life as I... Um, I was a tour pastor for a band, a pretty big band. They were called Paramore. So they traveled the globe, are a big, very successful band, played in front of hundreds of thousands of kids. And, um, you know, and if, you, if, you, if you were into music at all and you wanted to pursue music, like, they were living the dream. Like, yeah. we were on tour with Gwen Stefani. Does anyone know who Gwen Stefani is? So I was on tour with Gwen Stefani. Gwen Stefani, and my wife's not here. I mean, my wife is the most beautiful. Gwen Stefani is the most beautiful woman I've ever met. But she, like, this was like, when I was growing up, like, No Doubt was the, the biggest band that I loved. Grew up listening to No Doubt, loved it. A lot of you looking at me like I'm crazy and you don't know who I'm talking about. But anyway, Gwen Stefani you might know about. So I got to experience all these things. They're at the pinnacle of their musical career, Paramore. They're playing to, you know, they're making literally millions. 
I remember sitting with every single one of that band at, at a given time in their tours and sitting and them telling me about how they wanted to trade their life for something different. Listen, let me tell you, trading your life for something different because you feel like there's something, there's a life out there that does not have any fear, does not have any worries, does not have any concerns, like that's a fallacy. So I just want to encourage you that with that story because actually there's a, there's a reality to all of our lives that it's not about an eradication of fear. It's not about actually that mountain not being there. It's about who stands with you in front of that mountain. Yeah. It's about who stands with you in front of that fear, that worry, right. that anxiety. It's about who's with you. You know, the key to courage is not, the, is not, it's not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of that mountain. It is the very presence of God. This is the beautiful thing that, again, we get to remind ourselves, especially when we come to God in worship. We say, God, would you reveal yourself again? I want to know your presence with me. Whatever it is I'm facing, that mountain I feel I'm facing, listen, I want to know your presence with me. Right? Yeah. It's a simple but profound thing. The courage starts and ends with acknowledging who's with you. Who's with you. It shifts your perspective. It changes the way you look at life. Changes the way that you address challenges. Because you don't address them alone. You address them with him. He's with you. One of the beautiful things that, um, that God has done in his infinite wisdom is to give us the gift of family. To give us the gift of community. You see it all the way through scripture. You see that um, when David was um, fleeing for, for his life, when he thought Saul was going to kill him, um, God throws him um, into the, a cave where he gets to do life with people and he just got to figure out life in community with like broken, messed up people. God does that with all of us. We're all on that journey together. But, you know, the, uh, the beautiful thing about um, coming into a relationship with a father is that we know that we're sons and daughters, but we get to outwork that with brothers and sisters. Yeah. Like, this is the genius of our father, that he places us in family. And I want to close out uh, what I want to share this evening by um, just practical. I always like to get practical because I'm, I'm convinced that, um, that as you leave this place this weekend, that, I, that you will be marked with a fresh sense of courage. Not because of anything I said, but because you, again, recognized who's with you, right? But twinned with that, I want you to know the beauty of this community. I want you to know the beauty of, of how God architects his kingdom and what he what it looks like for me as an individual to to be around those that can bring great courage. That's what I love about this story here in 1 Samuel 14. Do you remember there was that um, there was that armor bearer? And literally one of the most beautiful phrases, um, and I actually try to say I try to use this language when I'm talking to people that I'm walking with. And in his armor, when when Jonathan says, Oh, this is what I'm thinking about doing, his armor bearer didn't go that sounds crazy, or have you thought about this, yeah. or what about your limitations? Yeah. He didn't say that. He said, listen, I'm with you. Whatever's in your heart, I'm with you 100%. I love saying that to people, because I love watching the courage come to people's eyes when yeah. I look into their eyes and say, whatever's on your heart, I'm with you 100%. And there's something about the equity of courage that we have in community that we get to give to one another. And there's some practical ways that we get to do that. And I want to actually just for five minutes talk about those things because I want to equip you so that actually when you think about this family and when you think about courage and when you think about how God wants to use you, I want you to remember some of what I'm about to say. 
I think there are three really easy key ways that God gives us um, in community a way for us to walk really strong in courage. First of all is this, it's prophetic encouragement, right? Second is this, it's life-on-life encouragement, right? And the third is affirmation. And there's probably lots of other ways, but these are three ways that I'm like, oh, I really see these things showing up in community. So I want to remind you of them, I want to tell you about them, and I want to encourage you to give yourself to them with one another. Because this is a beautiful church family who is called to do extravagant things for God, and you're going to need a lot of courage to do the things that God's asked you to do, right? That's why I want to equip you with these things, because you're a very important community who needs to walk in courage, all right? Good, so prophetic encouragement. I might need some help with this in a second. Prophetic encouragement is this. Uh, John, because I know you, come on out here, my friend. If you could just put this bag on your head, that'd be amazing. Just help everybody else out. Covering your face. Straight over your head. All right. A lot better, right? Everything, the whole world just looked better, right? Everything just got sweeter. I heard birds starting to sing. Life just got a little lighter. Listen. One of the beautiful things that God tools and equips us is to hear his voice for one another. And one of the beautiful things we find in scripture is that the prophetic is for us to build up, to encourage, and to strengthen. Like that's the parameters that the prophetic is. Now prophetic in its simplest form is this. It's, it's my ability to hear God for you when you can't quite hear him for yourself. Right? It's pulling out the gold in people when they can't really see who they really are, right? This is the beauty of of the prophetic and why God puts us in communities with people who can see us how God sees us, can say things to us how God would say things to us. And we can be strengthened, we can be built up and encouraged because the reality is for many of us, we're walking through life like John here and we can't quite see where we're going. We can't quite see... What's ahead of us? In fact, we can't really with this kind of bag over our head. And that bag might be some fear. It might be some anxiety. It might be some belief that we have about ourselves that's not quite right. But ultimately, we can't see where we're going. And ultimately, we can't really see who we are. And those two things are really important for any believer. The normal Christian life is marked by the assignment that God's placed on your life. So knowing who you are and knowing where you're going and what he's called you to do is really important. Right? Just trust me on that one. I haven't got time to unpack it. But for many of us, we're walking around with a, with a, uh, with a, a spiritual bag over our heads. Fear, anxiety, things that we think about ourselves that aren't the way that God thinks about us. And the beauty of community is this, is when we find and we run into somebody who really ultimately can't see who he really is or she really is, and they can't really see who God's created them to be and where he's taken them, The beautiful thing about community is we can hear God for them before they can hear God for themselves. Amen. And we can say, how can we pull down the truth of the reality who this son is and help him see who he really is? And as we begin to pull out the gold, that prophetic gold of what is in this man's life, what lies ahead, what the father says over his life, who he really is, the strength that he carries, the way he's loved, the way he's cherished, the way he's valuable. When those things, we pull down that, the way that God sees him and we begin to place that in and onto his life, what happens is he begins to see more clearly. And the bags go and the fear goes, the anxiety goes, 
And this man could see because of the community pouring into him, pouring courage into him prophetically, he begins to see who he really is, who he was always designed and created to be, and ultimately what he was always created and designed to do. That's prophetic encouragement. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Let's thank John for putting the bag in this All right, really practical. So that's prophetic encouragement. Listen, I could spend a whole weekend just talking about the prophetic, but we don't have time. So that was, in its simplest form, how we engage with encouragement and putting encourage in people's lives. The second thing I've identified and thing I've seen most in community is life-on-life encouragement. And very simply, that's this. It's where I get close enough to people's life and I'm prepared to walk with them that I take the equity of my life and I put it into and onto somebody else's life so they can go and do something that they never would have been able to dream possible if I hadn't been a part of their life. All right? That's how significant um, community is, that there's an equity on your life. There's a resource on your life that ultimately is, yes, it's for your life, but it's for others. And the beauty of community is that we get to show up in other people's lives and we get to say, I'm going to walk with you to such a degree that I'll take the resource of my life, I'll put it on your life, I'll take the and it will encourage you to go and be and do the things that you were created to do. It's kind of like this. Um, John, come back out for me. In fact, you can stay out here for this whole time. Life on life encouragement is like this. It's kind of like saying, hey, John, I see where you're going. I see the incredible purpose and destiny that's on your life. All right? And I see that it's going to take you a journey to get there. And I see that you're going to have to take a train to get there. There's some distance for you to go. But, I, but I, it's amazing. Do you know what? It's amazing. So I just want to encourage you to go on that journey. They know that's kind of the early stages of, of life on life encouragement. I see what's on your life. I'm excited for you. I can see. You know, that, that's amazing. The second part of that is going, do you know what? I so believe in that. Um, I, I actually want, I'm going to pay. I'm going to take my wallet and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for that ticket. In fact, I'm going to give you my wallet. I trust you to go buy that ticket. That's gone, isn't it? I'm never going to see that again. Go buy that ticket because I so believe in what's on your life. Go buy that ticket. Take, take the resources. Go. You're, I'm so encouraged by you. I'm encouraged by what God's doing. Go take that journey. And it goes one step further when it's like, do you know what? John, buy two tickets because I'm coming with you. Right? So this like you go, I can have more of that. <laughs> life on life encouragement is... Honestly, it is the normal Christian life, and it is the normal way that we disciple one another. That actually, that, um, through taking and recognizing that there is resource in my life. Listen, the resource, all I might have is an encouraging word, but that's a resource that I can take from my life, and I can put it on your life. And you can go do things that you never would have been able to do until I took that courage and I put it on your life. Right? That might just be stage one. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to literally put courage in you. I'm going to encourage you. Right? That could be just basic, basic level, life on life encouragement. Take the resource of my life and put it on your life. But listen, there may be people that you are called in this community to walk with, to cry with, to hold, to dream with, to spend time with, to go on trips with. There may be people that God's asking because of the courage that's on your life. Maybe asking you to spend a, a qualitative amount of time, a quantifiable amount of time, by putting that in investing it in somebody else. 
Because that's what courage does. It helps people become who they are. That's life on life, commitment to one another. Again, it's so important for your community. Every single one of you is valuable in that journey. Listen, you don't have, have, you don't have to have reached a certain level. You don't have, have to be a Christian for a certain amount of time. You can start pouring courage into other people right now. Like you don't need anything other than who you are, taking that and putting it next to somebody else's life. That is courage, and it's so important. Final thing is this, and that's simple. It's, it's, it's the journey of affirmation. You know, in community, there's lots of people kind of, kind of running around. They've got jobs. Some of them have got vision. Some of them have got an aspect of ministry. Well, we've all got ministry, but some people that are going after changing the world, we're all changing the world. You know what I mean, right? There's people just flying around doing stuff. They're in different seasons. One of the things that we as practically can do as community is, is see people. You know, one of the things that I love about building community is I get to, with a group of people, help them be seen, heard, and known. Right? This is what we build into the fabric of how we do life and community. Is I want everyone in our, that calls our church, their family, a church family, to be seen, heard, and known. And part of that being seen, heard, and known is that we see what's on people's life. We get to see what they're good at, see how God's made them. Again, all of this stuff, we get to see it in them. And affirmation is a really strategic part of accelerating what's on, on somebody's life, right? And it's a way that we can encourage and bring acceleration. So it's kind of like John's bombing around, doing amazing stuff for God, and he comes across my path, and I affirm and say, you're doing a great job. And that affirmation of a pat on the back, it actually accelerates him forward. That's what affirmation does. It goes, oh, I'm seen. I'm heard. I'm known. And that accelerates me. It gives me confidence and courage to keep going. Because I'm seen and I'm heard and I'm known. Right? So as much as a pat on the back will literally accelerate you forward, that's what affirmation does. Yeah. Try it this weekend. As you're walking around, as you're taking time over meals, look in the eyes of people that you love and you know, and tell them just how amazing they are. Tell them what you see in them. Accelerate them on the journey of becoming everything that God's created them to be, right? Yeah. We can take affirmation as a very simple way to accelerate people into courage. Thank you, John. All right, I know we're kind of wrapping up here. I want to do this. Was that helpful? Yeah. yeah. All right, a couple of you. <laughs> Um, I know I've got a pace. We're going to have fun for the rest of the weekend as well. Um, I want Santa to come because I just want, I want um, just to um, encourage you with some words. And I want to encourage you with Santa. Santa has an amazing gift of an encourager. I know that in my own life, but in our own community. And so it's one of the reasons he's here this weekend. So Santa, the stuff that we, uh, we just actually want to just take a few minutes. Would it be okay if we just prayed for a couple of you?